Welcome to Back to Debbie. It's 7 a.m. Eastern time, the only time zone that does not stay up for the Hawaii games. We are the premier Debbie show brought to you by Campus Ken. I'm Mike, and this is my co-host, Corey. And on today's episode, we will be giving watch list ads, doing a panic meter, talking about G5s, and just, you know, talking about the games overall. So, Corey, what games do you want to talk about here first? Uh, yeah, so we'll head over to Notre Dame versus Ohio State first. Um, this was a pretty good game in the beginning that kind of kind of ended up feeling like a blowout by the end of it, um, even though the score looked pretty close. Um, but it really felt like Ohio State dominated this game for the most part. Um, I thought quarterback CJ Stroud looked pretty good, had some shaky moments, but also had some really nice moments, uh, specifically on the touchdown throw to uh, Emeka Buka. You know, he like reads the play pre-snap, notices the safety's close, got the one-on-one matchup on the outside. Emeka loses his guy. He throws it to the outside shoulder. The other safety can't get there in time, and it results in a touchdown. It's just like these are the kind of maturity things I'm seeing from CJ Stroud that I kind of like to see. Didn't have as good of a game as Bryce Young did uh, this this weekend. So if you're kind of comparing the two, but I still thought he looked uh, plenty good today. Yeah, I, I like what I saw too. I was a little nervous. I didn't think he looked great, uh, but you know Notre Dame's a good defense, man. Like it's first game of the season, so I'm really not tripping about it too much. Their pass catchers look great. Uh, Notre Dame though, they start out hot. I tweeted out uh, that the quarterback Tyler Buckner went eight for eight and one twenty five. I'm like, he looks good. As soon as I tweeted that out, <laughs> he finished up going two for ten and another forty nine yards. So I guess. The defensive linemen read my tweet and were like, oh, we need to we need to put some pressure on this guy. But it looked it looked promising seeing Tyler Buckner's first start against Ohio State's defense look good. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more being moved because it's not really a team that's known for defensive uh powers, but maybe maybe they improved this offseason. Um the running back situation though, Audric estimate, like dude can get the ball going nowhere. Like Notre Dame has never been a school known for having like a good high end running back the last 10 years. We've only seen them give one running back a day to uh, go into day two. And that's CJ Procise. So I think it would be really cool to see this Notre Dame team get a nice running back in that backfield. Cause they do not have that type of playmaker on that roster right now. Yeah. And honestly, Buckner seemed to be running around for his life most of the time in this game. So I don't know if that offensive line is a problem as well. Um, he, I don't know. I can't even remember how many times he got sacked, but he was getting hit in the backfield a bunch, a lot of pressure. Um, one interesting tip I did notice about uh, Notre Dame as well was Michael Mayer, tight end Michael Mayer was split out wide a whole bunch in this game. And I'm not sure if that's a new wrinkle this year. Um, he did make an, a, a couple of nice uh, aggressive catches. Other times he just wasn't able to gain the separation that, that Buckner was kind of looking for. And it almost seemed like, he was like the first read on a lot of these plays too. So it didn't seem to be helping very much. Um, I, I, personally, I think the star of this game was probably back on the Ohio State side in the Mecca Buka, who got the start in place of Julian Fleming. Um, and then we also lost uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma to, I believe, concussion-like symptoms or possibly a hamstring strain. I'm not too sure what it is, but he ended up leaving this game. And Mecca ended up playing every snap of this game at, at wide receiver. He was the only wide receiver to do so. Um, Looked absolutely phenomenal in this game. Um, and it made me possibly think that Emeka could emerge as the number two guy in this offense. Maybe the number one if J- if Jackson Smith and Jigba misses some time. So um, we'll have to see and uh, see how that plays out um, the rest of the season. Um, but let's let's head over to uh, Penn State versus Purdue. Um, 
I want to talk about Penn State here and just take a look at the freshman running backs in uh, in Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. Uh, both are pretty big parts of this game plan. Uh, I thought they looked kind of okay, kind of like how you'd expect freshmen to look sometimes. I think collectively the whole team averaged like under four yards per carry, so they weren't really getting a lot of push from that offensive line. Carries were pretty split uh, evenly. Um, but it was interesting to see Singleton returning kicks as well. We all remember the last running back who was like over 215 pounds returning kicks for Penn State. Um, talking about Saquon Barkley, of course. So not to draw any comparisons there, but it, it was interesting to see regardless. He didn't look overly dynamic or anything. Um, and, and this season, I did kind of speak this offseason. I did kind of speak about his transition from his high school offense. Uh, they ran him out wide a whole bunch. Um, he really didn't get a lot of work in between the tackles. So um, I kind of expected a potentially slow start to this year, but um, I still think it was positive that he was getting the playing time seems like they want him to be a big part of the game plan going forward so uh that's good to see and i did just want to say i thought drew aller looked absolutely phenomenal man like like to me honestly it only took four four those four throws to win me over like that dime he dropped into number 44's hands it was like right in between the two defenders i mean it was so perfect he like honestly didn't even realize he was going to hit him so perfectly and flat out dropped it which was a travesty really but i mean more velocity than than clifford moved around really well um it didn't take long for him to win me over. And and I hope that he's going to be the guy for Penn state sooner rather than later. Yeah. Same here. I, I know that Clifford threw for four touchdowns somehow that game, but that was really Purdue playing against himself somehow. But let's talk about those pass catchers over there, right? Mitchell Tinsley transfers in from WKU. Uh, Parker Washington's assumed to take the step forward. Uh, they looked like they showed against a Purdue defense. And I truly am not more knowledgeable on that defense, but I never considered Purdue a defensive team. So Seeing these receivers, talking about Parker Washington here mostly, struggle to get separation, uh, it's gotten me a little worried here. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I am a little uh, little concerned about these pass catchers. And Mitchell Tinsley being a fifth-year leading the core, like it's, uh, it's throwing up some red flags for these other guys. Yeah, and we'll get into those, that group of guys a little bit later in the panic meter section. Um, I did just want to want to mention a guy on the other side uh, of the game in Purdue, and a guy uh, by the name of Charlie Jones, a guy they're calling Chuck Sizzle over there, who's who's been kind of the talk of the week in C two C leagues waiver ads. I don't know if there's a lot of Debbie potential here, um, but he's got a nice connection with with a quarterback in O'Connell. Apparently, they've been playing court playing football together since like peewee football. Um, they're like roommates together now, so um, he's like a fifth year guy at this point. Um, probably not any NFL potential here or very, maybe a very limited NFL potential here, but he got 17 targets in this game. Um, caught 12 of them for 150, 153 yards and a touchdown. Um, so, you know, I tried to take a deep, deeper look at him and kind of watch him on every play. And he has some nice footwork, you know, beat press a couple of times. So um, nevertheless, just an interesting guy to maybe keep an eye on there. Um, but now let's head over to my Georgia Bulldogs. Um where they absolutely beat down on Oregon 49 to three. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting Georgia's offense to be this kind of explosive out the gate. Um, and, you know, I thought Stetson Bennett actually looked okay. Um, he really kind of dink and dunk the whole time, but he was accurate. Um, he was safe. He got the ball out quick. And I mean, this offense kind of surprised me in general. I mean, the first drive of the game, nine passes to three runs, which is a lot different from what we've come to expect from Georgia. Um, that was a lot of short stuff, which is why we saw, you know, Kenny McIntosh have a huge game, uh, <clears throat> nine receptions for 117 yards. And speaking of McIntosh too, I'm, I'm really starting to get in on him on a Debbie pre- pro- uh, prospect. I know a lot of people are hopping on that train now, especially after this game. I, I will say he is somebody that I've been following, so I'm not just hopping on this train. I'm a Georgia guy, so I've been watching him for a while. So uh, it does seem like the two roles here are kind of Kenny 
Kendall Milton is the, is the Zamir White. Uh, Kenny McIntosh is the James Cook. Um, and speaking of Kendall Mil- Milton himself, too, he didn't have as bad of a day as it looks on paper. Honestly, he could have had a three-touchdown di- three day. He got tackled at the one-yard line on one drive, um, got vultured by Stetson Bannon on another one on a read option. So um, if he walked out of here with that nice 18-yard reception touchdown and two touchdowns on the ground, I think we would have been looking at this a lot differently. Um, I'm still pretty high on him through the year, and I think the build, the big games are still going to come. Yeah, there's definitely some questions here around Georgia because it was a kind of ambiguous backfield here. I mean, the wide receiver core has no clarity either. So we do have a little bit of some clarity here. <laughs> Having a running back lead in receptions is amazing. I believe Jared Pomegran went over this on the CFF pod that that is a like Georgia record under Kirby Smart, having a guy receive that many receptions from the running back core in a single game. Um, Stetson Bennett looked pretty good. I just want to give him more credit. Not a Debbie asset at all, but for a walk-on <laughs> quarterback, bro, there's some power power programs that wish that he would walk onto their field like straight up. No, I on I and I honestly think like like upside wise, Stetson Bennett, like I I could picture him being like a case keenum in the NFL, you know, someone who just sticks around or whatever. So you know, whatever we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, we'll see. Uh it was cool seeing Kenneth Milton out there. I did want to note that there wasn't a single rushing attempt over 12 yards by Georgia here. So I I I don't know. I, I'm kind of I'm watching to see if maybe they just struggle at the second level. Uh, we also got to see freshman Branson Robinson on the field for two for 13. And he had a long run of 10 yards and love seeing freshmen get out there, get involved. Uh, yeah. But there's like, is there is there anyone in Georgia's like receiving core that you think has any potential value going to the 23 draft here, Corey? Uh, well, I do like Adonai Mitchell, but I believe he's 2024. Um, I think Kyrus Jackson is the only 2023 guy, maybe Arian Smith, who also is super fast. Um, he's probably going to test really well, probably will get that bump, um, just from his pure speed and being going to Georgia, maybe the Mikul Hardman effect, but, um, yeah, nobody here I'm overly excited about, and I haven't been targeting a lot of these guys either. I'm just kind of letting other guys go. A lot of guys are bigger on Adonai Mitchell than I am. Um, I think he's nice. I wrote him up for the Debbie guide as well. Um, I didn't think he was that refined. I kind of thought he was kind of sloppy, um, made some nice plays here and there, but if I was, if I had to pick one, it would be a Donai Mitchell, but, um, yeah, not a lot you know here. I asked that question. I didn't even realize how young this core was. I was just, I, I was like, man, maybe Lab, I thought Lab McConkie was a junior. I don't know why I did, but yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, you're right. These guys are all 24 guys. Oh, I forgot about Lab McConkie too. He had a pretty good game, man. They're using him in yeah. like a gadget role. He's rushing. He's, he's evading guys in the open field. He's somebody that maybe we got to keep an eye on as well. So, um, That's true. We really do. On the other side of the ball, we had Oregon here. Now, Oregon transfer, Bo Nix comes in and he looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's a Georgia's <laughs> defense, you know, say what you will. But he didn't, he didn't look good. And there's definitely always uh, a crowd that's supporting Troy Flanker and uh, Dante Thornton as like their top pass catchers. But the running back core is really what I want to talk about here because Oregon does put running backs in the NFL. They don't really find too much success. C.J. Verdell was a big name until he got hurt. You had Royce Freeman become a third-round pick. He kind of flops. But we did have our eyes set on Byron Cardwell and – also, freshman Jordan James got in here, too. Two guys that are definitely on my radar, for sure. Uh, Jordan James went 7 for 15. Again, it's Georgia. And then Byron went 4 for 28. Uh, any any comments about these guys here, Corey? Uh, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of talk about these uh, these Oregon running backs. And uh, we'll definitely get a little bit more into it when we talk about the panic meter as well with, with Byron Cardwell. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I just don't really understand what happened here, given all of news we got based on Cardwell from the off season. Um, I was watching the game. I don't think he got in there to like the fifth or sixth series. It was like the middle of the, tw- of the second quarter. 
before he got into the game. So, like, I don't understand if it's punishment or if it's something. I mean, he seemed to be having all the buzz in spring. Um, but, yeah, I just don't get it. Maybe it's just new staff. Maybe we should have expected something unexpected. But, yeah, it was it, it was pretty disappointing. And, and, and honestly, like, how bad was Bo Nix? I know he had some hype this offseason as a possible bounce-back candidate, but um, he just looked like the same old Bo Nix to me. So he had a really bad interception. Two really, actually, Malachi Starks, a, a freshman um, a defensive back for for Georgia, made an absolutely ridiculous interception on one of his. Got to go check it out if you want to. This guy's going to be a first-round pick in uh, in 2025. Um, just about to say that, man. You know he's a future first-round. He's getting starting time on Georgia's defense. Just oh, man. He was, he, he, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. But um, now I want to move over to a game that a lot of people have been talking about this week in Florida versus Utah. Now, Florida, who was unranked, defeated Utah, who was ranked. Uh, that's flipped now going into this week. And the talk of the game has really been Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson and his development and how he looked in this game. Now, to me, he looked pretty special, did a lot of good things. Um, a lot of people are talking about him this week. I just want to point out he looked pretty good in this game. Ran around a lot, made some nice passes. Uh, still want to see a bit more from him, maybe pushing the ball down the field. But he's a guy that has stud potential. And uh, I could possibly see being a top three pick or top three quarterback in the NFL draft if he hits that potential. But enough about him. Let's focus on some other guys here. Um, and, and I think this running back room at Florida is pretty interesting after this first game. So Montreal Johnson got some carries early, had that nasty fumble on like his first touch of the game, which I thought was going to be it for him. Honestly, I I, I thought maybe he's going to be put in a doghouse after that, especially with the depth they have, but ended up bouncing back, finishing with a pretty nice game. Um, but the guy that really stood out here to me was actually Trevor Etienne, which was a guy that I kind of thought was a weird evaluation uh, as a freshman um, played in like this weird offense that kind of rolled him out a bunch um, threw a lot to him and a lot of running towards the outside. So I was kind of worried about the transition to the college level, but Matt, he looked great in this game. Like he looked bursty. He was making smart decisions. Uh, he showed some patience. So yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with, the, uh, with Trevor Etienne and uh, I think he's going to be a riser for me after this game. Yeah, he's definitely been off my board here. I've been aware, I mean, aware of him, but he has really been on my board. So he's definitely somebody I keep an eye on. Any freshman getting actual playing time in the SEC needs to be on your board. But, you know, I'm more of a Montreal truther, so I really can't speak too highly about anybody else going on out there. But uh, he had a fumble too. Both of them did, Montreal and Trevor Etienne. Etienne actually recovered his fumble, though, however. So these guys definitely need to secure the ball a little better. And as for Anthony Richardson, I thought he looked better than his stats would lead off on his throwing. I thought he was very good at improvising. He was very good at, at uh, reading the defense and kind of manipulating the defense to help give him some lanes because these aren't good pass catchers he has. Like They're, they're not going to really help him get open against top defenses, which Utah is. I, I consider Utah a top 10, a top 15 collegiate defense here. So having someone make their first like real start, in my opinion, with this team that really lacks offensive weapons, it's it's really encouraging. I mean, I mean, he he blew it out of the water. So I, I'm very excited about him. He's an extremely toolsy, athletic quarterback. There's definitely guys out there giving him a first round buzz, which really includes myself, uh, because I think he, mentally he has it and he has some really good traits. I think he's going to be a project that teams will be in on. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of his offensive weapons, there is one guy here. I'm picking one guy out of this crew. It's it's going to be Xavier Henderson at wide receiver. Um, you know, he's kind of been buried here for the past three years. He kind of was a nice Debbie prospect at one point, but there is a lot of people losing hope. There's, there's a lot of people that doesn't think there's anything really here, but he led the team in catches today. Um, is a guy that I've kind of been looking out for, could potentially emerge as the number one weapon for Anthony Richardson, especially if he continues to uh, develop as a passer. 
Um, heading over to the other side here with Utah, I didn't think there was too much to take away here, but I was surprised that we didn't get to see any freshman running back Jalen Glover in the game, especially after all the buzz he had this spring. Um, we, get, we did get to see a little bit of our our little heartthrob there and Micah Bernard play a little bit, and, and Chris Curry even got some run in this game as well. So I thought it was pretty disappointing to see that for a guy that, that, I, that I personally thought could have um, – an impact in, in year one. So we'll have to see how that continues. Maybe he'll end up getting some time down the road. Um, but, but now that we've gotten through about, you know, one and a half weeks of college play here, uh, I wouldn't say it's time to overreact on anything. Um, but we did, we did just want to mention a few names that we we're um, that are hopping on our radar, not necessarily guys you have to run out and acquire just guys that maybe you should be aware of keeping tabs on adding to the watch list. So Mike, I'll toss it over to you here. Who is the first guy you're adding to your watch list, watch list after this uh, week and a half of games here? Yeah, I'm going to start off here with Trayshawn Holding. Uh, he is a year one zero. I got to start off by saying that he did not do anything his first year, but he did take over the starting role from Ja'Cory Brooks, right? We talked about his depth chart last week, uh, and he, Nick Saban, true to his word, started who was on the depth chart. Saw seven targets for five receptions for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Again, Utah State, so like really not a test or anything like that, but he was out there for 34 passing snaps. These Alabama receivers do get drafted. If he gets this type of usage all year, it's going to be hard for me not to. I can't imagine not seeing some flashes and NFL teams are going to be interested in an Alabama wide receiver. But he is someone that's been on my board now because he is getting usage and, of course, he's from the Nick Saban system. Yeah, and Trayshawn Holden's been a guy that I've kind of been following for a while. I have him on a lot of roster from when he was kind of an exciting freshman prospect, but he's kind of disappointed me through the years. And I'm I'm one saying that he's had the opportunity to do this before. Maybe it's all coming together for him in this year and he's going to blow up, but I'm still pretty resistant on this a little bit because I mean, the opportunities have been there. He had opportunities in the playoffs last year to do something. Uh, he started a lot of games last year as well. So I'm not so sure if he's going to be the guy. Maybe Ja'Cory Brooks will come back and fight for it. I'm not too too big on him as well either maybe maybe uh harold's gonna come in here and fight for some for some time so um we'll see how that all breaks out there uh definitely a guy you should be keeping tabs on though anybody from alabama um now i'm gonna head over to arkansas here and i'm gonna talk about a tight end now i don't usually talk about tight ends but the thing about this tight end is he used to be a wide receiver and i'm gonna talk about trey knox now this was a former four-star wide receiver and he was actually ranked higher than Traylon burks in his class um and after the freshman season the community actually seemed to be higher on trey knox than they were on burks um he kind of followed it up by being pretty quiet through the next couple of years. Um, so he decided to try his transition at tight end. Now he blows up in his first game this past weekend with Arkansas leads the team in catches, uh, leads the team in touchdowns. I think it was six for 75 and two touchdowns or something like that. He was clearly KJ Jefferson's first target um, and favorite target of the game. You know, I always thought that this guy was a little bit lumbering to be like a wide receiver. So I kind of think now that his, his athleticism matches up um, with being a tight end. And I honestly think that there may, some sneaky, sneaky NFL upside here if he continues to have a big season. Trey Knox, yes, he was a wide receiver converted tight end. So that's a little bit of intriguing. And also, he has some great size. He's six foot five, 245. Like, that's what you like to see at the NFL level. And if he's going to be productive like this at the SEC level, then he's definitely going to draw some eyes. I mean, it was a fourth year late breakout, but like, tight ends are so unpredictable. So, um, but let's go over to my guy. I'm going to go over to Bryce Ford Wheaton. He's a fifth year, very late breakout, uh, but he's hyper athletic. Uh, he's also six foot three, two twenty five. So they love that combination of athleticism plus size. He saw 16 targets this opening weekend. That's one fourth of what he saw last year. So Bryce Ford Wheaton is going to walk into a, a ton of production. His stat line was nine for 97 and two. 
He's a bit of a contested catch guy, so he's not really a separator. But for somebody at his athleticism level, I'm, I'm hoping that he maybe he picks something up along the way in this system. But he's a guy that's going to be, one, very athletic, two, very productive. So this guy's on my watch list. He's going to be moving up my board. By moving up my board, I mean he wasn't even on it before. So he's going to move up to the back <laughs> end of the board for sure. And I'm going to keep my eye out for him. Yeah, and like you said, super athletic. He made a uh, 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 Bruce Feldman's freak list as well. He apparently jumps like forty inches. Has like some ridiculous like like low four second ver- uh, agility for his size as well in the shuttle. So um, he's definitely an interesting guy. Uh, struggled with some drops this past weekend too. So we'll see if he can clean that up. He might be one of these athletic freaks that maybe aren't refined as a wide receiver yet. Never really got to that point. So um, we'll end up seeing what happens with him. Um, now I'm going to head over to my second guy here, and I'm going to head over to Michigan State and talk about a freshman wide receiver by the name of Jeremy Bernard. Um, this guy was a four-star prospect in last year's class, um, six foot, 200 pounds, has that great build that the NFL is loving nowadays. Now, um, this one's going to be a little bit of a deeper one here, because uh, if you watch the game at all, you might have missed him. He only had the one catch for 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, but this was just this was just a, a combination of everything I've heard in the spring, and it was nice to see that his momentum carried over into the game and that he's getting playing time in the first game already. Now, this is just a guy I'm going to add to my watch list uh not going out there and acquiring him just yet but he was a guy that a lot of people weren't talking about as a freshman in this class and could be a sneaky riser all right i'm gonna head on over to the west coast i'm gonna talk about jeremiah hunter of cal now i talked about him at the ff expo when felix put me on the spot he said give us one name that's a little deeper that's not well known and i went off with jeremiah hunter now jeremiah hunter has gone two years of effective pass catching right now he is Posted up decent yards per route run. Again, high twos, but just hasn't seen the targets. I don't really know enough about Cal system to fully comment on what's going on over there or what type of coaching scheme they got on. But week one, he saw 10 targets, six catches for 78 yards and one touchdown. He did have one drop out there. That's okay. Winter session that bounced off his body. So he's going to improve, but he's getting the volume. And that's the point. He has decent size at six foot two, 205. And I like to see where the, where the year is going to take him. Yeah, he isn't a guy that I've watched a ton of. Um, his stat line did pop off a little bit, especially when I was looking for waiver ads this week. But uh, yeah, he's a guy I'm going to have to probably look into a little bit here. Um, but for my third guy here, uh, I'm going to head over to Baylor. Talk about a, a little guy uh, by the name of Monterey Baldwin. He was a four-star wide receiver, uh, true freshman last year. Didn't pop too much as a freshman, but did flash some big play potential. Um, rushed a, for a long touchdown. Um, returning kicks as well. He was very dynamic. Um Baylor lost a lot of bodies at the wide receiver position this past year. Um, and Baldwin has got a bunch of buzz this offseason. Um, had a big spring game, got a huge 50-yard touchdown um, this past week as well in week one. Had 130 total yards and two touchdowns. Um, so he's carrying that momentum in t- from the offseason into this season, which uh, which you love to see. Now, the guy's a little bit small, like I mentioned, 5'9", 170 pounds. Um, but he's got the speed for days. That's that's really what the NFL is, it loves to see nowadays. He's an explosive element to this offense that they don't really have. And he's versatile. They kind of use him as this little gadget guy all over the place. So um, he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Not a lot of guys are talking about him. And that's kind of the point of this list. We want to point out a couple deeper, deeper guys to keep your eye on. So, uh, yeah, Monterey Baldwin out of Baylor. He's a guy uh, I'm watching. I'm going to go on and head on over to Texas Tech here. Jaram Bradley, six foot five, two fifteen. Now, we talk, not by we, I mean Campus Ken. Talks about Sean Kidley in his offense at least at least twice a week, maybe once a week. And now he's over at Texas Tech. He's in a Power 5 program, and these guys are performing. I mean, they're putting stats out there. So 
I mean, I, I'm going back and forth in my head if I think these guys are legit Debbie assets because we just saw what well, we just saw Mitchell Tinsley transfer and we saw Jared Stearns, I think, become a UDFA. I might have been drafted super late day three. But now we got to ask ourselves, is Sean Kelly going to be a guy that produces NFL talent? And Duran Bradley would be one of the guys that would be. He's just entering his second year. He's not a year one zero. So I'm keeping my eye on him. He, I believe he went six for 108 and two. But anyway, had a really decent stat line, and we expect big things out of this offense this year. Yeah, my Miles Price shares are weeping right now, and I, I honestly don't even think I can start him until I see this this play out a little more. He's a guy that a lot of us are really high on this year to see, um, but you definitely want the guy there, and Bradley seems to be the guy out of the gate. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to watch, like you said, um, last guy who was in this system, which would have been uh, Jared Stearns, didn't really succeed going at the next level. But uh, we are here at Texas Tech now in Power 5, so we'll see if maybe something can happen there. Um, for my fourth guy here, I'm going to talk about somebody that was pretty interesting this weekend, kind of popped up out of nowhere. And that's a true freshman tight end by the name of CJ Donaldson at West Virginia university. Now he's six to 240 pounds, but he didn't play tight end today. No, um, he played running back and I don't really think anybody was expecting that type of usage from him. Um, but the guy was like a big play threat every time he touched the ball. Um, Ended up finishing day with seven carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. Now, when I went back and watched the tape, I did see a lot of huge gaping holes. Uh, for some reason, these didn't seem to be there for, for Tony Mathis Jr., the other starting running back there. So I don't know if it was something he was doing. I don't know if it was just coincidence or whatever. You know, um, guy has a nice first step. Um, but he did look pretty slow to me. He had a couple plays where he broke away on long runs. Uh, guys caught up to him pretty quickly. So he's not a guy that's going to blow you away. You know, he's kind of a cheat code in C2C right now because he has that tight end eligibility. Um, but I think for Debbie here, we're kind of interested in him as a running back and to kind of see where, where he takes his role. You know, it, it's a weird situation where I don't think that I really loved the tape when I watched it on the second look. But just because of the way he broke out this this past week, there he's definitely somebody worth keeping your eyes on. My next guy here is going to be Tyler Hudson of Louisville. <laughs> if you're if you're from Kentucky, you know it's pronounced Louisville, like you're choking on your tongue. But it's Louisville by everybody that's not from that state. Anyway, Tyler Hudson is the guy I'm talking about. Another G5 transfer from Central Arkansas to Louisville. Now he started off the game hot, eight for nine, eight catches for nine targets. I dropped the yards. One of the 102 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, first game here, man. I mean, it's not. It's against Syracuse, but they got blown out by Syracuse. This is also what caught my eye here is that this is a dual-threat quarterback, right? Malik Cunningham likes to run as a quarterback. So if you got players putting up numbers with a guy that just doesn't, you know, isn't known to throw a ton, that, that catches my eye here. So I'm looking at this G5 here. He's he's now on my list of G5s to Power 5s, and I, I wish that – I love the success stories. I really do. So – Tyler Hudson is now on my list, and I can't wait. We're going to roll into our next section here, though. This past weekend was a spectacular disappointment for all of the big Debbie names. And you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. So we're going to go through, and we're going to talk about a panic meter here. I'm going to give a 1 for not worried or a 10 for I'm in full panic mode. We're going to go through some of these big names. I'm going to start us off with Kayshawn Boutte. 3 for 20. Took LSU off his Twitter, off his social media, whatever. Corey, where, where are you pan? Are you panicking or what's up? Yeah, I'm giving this a zero to a one, maybe just because he's kind of had some antics or whatever. But honestly, I already think the NFL is probably in on Boutte already, even with his pouty attitude. I mean, we can even look back to 
to last year with George Pickens, who probably had more attitude issues off the field, um, was less productive overall, and still got good draft draft capital and probably has some of the most hype in this class this offseason, I want to say. Um, I'm more worried about like the LSU team in general, though, um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of find a way to opt out of this season if if this trend continues downwards. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think I think the ASU players are probably laughing at LSU as an organization for picking up for picking up that quarterback who will rename nameless. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm not too panicking here. He already kind of earned his money here. If he opted out today, he'd probably be okay and fine. Uh, we're gonna roll into another LSU receiver, a guy that you've been toting highly in the offseason. I even screamed at you in the Slack saying, "Get your boy." We're talking about Malik Neighbors. He dropped. Two punts, very key in this game, and I think he even dropped some catches too. I mean, what's up with these hands, Corey? Are you worried or what? I mean, I'm still I'm still fine with him. This is just a week when I'm not going to overreact yet. I mean, like honestly, this whole LSU team, I'm not ready to kind of overreact just yet. It kind of seemed like an off day for everybody involved. You know, maybe things were getting like a bit too emotional. Maybe things were getting too hot headed. Um, I think this team hopefully buckles down and get things going on track. You know, even though we had those crucial muff muff punts you know late in the game too i'm not ready to panic on neighbors um especially with uh, i'm not ready to panic on neighbors just yet um but let's see how the rest of the season goes yeah i'm with you there i'm not i'm not panicking yet but i would like to see garrett nussmeyer i like to see him switch something up there at quarterback see if it changes anything we're gonna roll up into the next one we're gonna talk about quentin johnston wide receiver at tcu they get a new head coach, Sonny Dykes, and I, I immediately tweeted out in the first quarter that Sonny Dykes probably wishes he took Tanner Mordecai or Preston Stone with him over there. But I believe he caught three for 22 and zero. For a guy that's been not healthy for a full season, this was supposed to be his year, huge production. It's not looking like it might be that big of a production year if this quarterback play continues. Are you worried about Quentin Johnson here? Yeah, I'm giving this one a zero on the panic meter. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I think Chandler Morris was surprisingly bad in this game. You know, I thought Dugan was pretty bad, but I mean, Morris was was right up there too. It was just not a great day all around on this offense, maybe trying to figure out the new system still. Um, but I guess what it boils down to is my opinion on Quentin Johnson himself hasn't really changed because, you know, he still flashed a little bit. He had that nice grab down the sideline, and I think actually ended up getting called out, out of bounds, but you saw the extension. You saw him get over somebody. He had that nice end around run, which I think went for almost 20 or 30 yards or something. And this has kind of been who he is. You know, he's, he's always been held back by this quarterback offense. Um, also held back by the injury. So we may never get to see Quentin Johnson's true potential until the NFL comes. It was very noticeable watching that game that they switched up play calling to keep that, keep it close to the line. And they're just like, this quarterback cannot push this ball past five yards. Like we got to keep it even closer than that. So not too worried about it. Let's talk about Parker Washington. We talked about Penn state earlier today, two for 30, no touchdowns. Couldn't seem to separate. I don't think he even – I didn't even see him at all the whole second half. I mean, I know he was on the field, but I I did not see him on my TV making catches or making routes or anything like that. Are you worried about Parker Washington? Yeah, this is the guy I'm probably actually worried about the most so far of the names you said. I'm going to give him a 4-5. Now, a lot of talk about this offseason has kind of been like the offensive direction and, and where the targets go because the targets in this offense have primarily gone to the outside wide receivers. And with Parker being in the slot, how that was going to kind of work out going into this year. And, you know, we kind of saw it today. 
Tinsley and KLS on the outside, uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, ended up having pretty productive days, even though the offense kind of struggled or whatever, but at least better than Parker. Um, I think wherever your evaluation of Parker is right now, um, there may not be enough reason to change it during the season with what we're seeing. So uh, I'm just not sure I'm seeing the massive breakout that some people were hoping for once Jahan Dotson left for the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm with you. One of my early hot takes the offseason was Mitchell Tinsley is going to outperform Parker Washington. And it looks like this is going to be the case here. And we don't want – I don't want – I'm talking to myself here. I don't want prospects going to the NFL if they can't lead their own receiving core in college. So if this is how it's going to continue, which is kind of how it looked to me, because I don't I don't know Purdue, Purdue's corners like that, but I don't think they have any lockdown corners. So I am worried about Parker Washington here. And if he can't take over this backfield, then I don't think, one, he's going to come out. And so, two, now I'm hoping for a year four breakout, and and that gets messy, and I don't really get excited. I know I just, like, listed off Bryce Fort Wheaton on my watch list, but, like, that doesn't mean he's going to enter my top ten come in of the year. Like, so, and for Parker Washington, like, he entered this year. I think he's in my top seven, top eight. He's definitely in that category. But I'm going to be pretty confident I'm going to be dropping him because it, it looked like Tinsley looked like the guy out there. So I am – I'm probably going to be a little higher than I'm probably going to say a seven. I'm a seven on, on the panic scale here for Parker Washington. We're going to roll into our next one here. We're going to talk about what was widely regarded. Oh my gosh, I'm fumbling with my words. Widely regarded as the top 2024 20, wide receiver. And that's going to be Xavier Worthy. Uh, had a very silent day. Quinn, you were supposed to be a, I want to say generational, but he's supposed to be a really good talent. And he did not look like a really good talent there. So, Xavier Worthy, how worried are you on Xavier Worthy? Zero. I'm still giving this one a zero. Too young, too early in the season. Um, This passing game was kind of like out of sorts, really. You know, like no receiver really stood up, except for like Jatavian Saunders at at, at tight end, another guy that we really love. But um, I'm hoping to see a little bit of a bounce back um, at some point in the season, because I don't think it's going to come this week with a tough matchup again with Alabama on deck. So um, this is going to be one that we're going to have to kind of see play out. You might be disappointed again this week, but uh, he's not a guy I'm bailing on just yet. Uh, This one's going to be a little interesting now. We're going to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. There were some guys being hot take. He's saying he is the number one for 2024 or will be by the end of this year. And that includes myself. I was definitely in that crowd. I'm going to admit that. Uh, When JSN went down, it seemed like it was a Mecca Abuka was the main guy there. Marvin Harrison seemed to be more of a secondary option here. So I guess I'm asking you, how worried are you about Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yes. Yeah. I never had Harrison as high as everybody else. And I was actually pretty high on Emeka as well. He was never like approaching like my number one, but I mean, I don't, is it too bold to say that Emeka might be the number two? I think he could probably be the number two. You know, this is, this is one of those cases where he's probably making it tough on this coaching staff to not make him the number two option or the number one until JSN returns, you know, now I'm not, I'm not exactly panicking on Marvin. I still think he's probably going to be productive enough. He still flashed a little bit. Um, still a very natural catching the ball. Uh, I mean, I, I still think he could end up a 1,000 yard uh, wide receiver in this offense, but uh, this, this is the one of the ones that I'm furthest away from on the list, to be to be honest. I'm not worried about anybody on Ohio State. Yeah, this offense almost produced three 1,000 yard receivers last year. I'm with you. Mecca does look like he is the number two in that offense. Uh, so, uh, he was like, was like number two, was Marvin Harrison Jr. number two on the freak list? Like, he was being listed as like running 23 miles per hour and all all these insane things where I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't really believe that for a second. I mean, that's a juice track. I don't know who's, who's doing these numbers here, but I, I am going to say I'm more of a, 
I'm going to put myself at a three. I'm, I'm like a little worried because I thought he'd be the one here in this offense. Uh, I don't think I'm going to drop him on my top five for his class, and I'm sure he's going to finish just fine. But I thought he was going to be the early breakout in the runaway, and since he is not, I'm going to I'm going to be like a little bit like a three or a four here. But, it, I mean, that's just because I had him at the top already. So uh, next one here, we talked about him a little earlier too in the games breakdown. We're talk about Nicholas Singleton, uh, freshman now. I think a lot of us thought that he'd have a sort of Travion Henderson type of breakout very early on. We talked about him highly. The reason why I really actually put his name on this list is because Catron Allen probably saw the exact same workload and that was definitely assumed that he was going to run away with it. And it looks to be, at least for week one, a very even 50-50 split. Are you worried? Uh, no, I'm not worried. I think what you said just nailed it like right on the head there is I think it's just going to be more of a split. Maybe they're trying to look for that guy to, to burst out. I talked about it earlier in the show too. Nicholas Singleton always struck me as a guy that was going to have a little bit of a transition. I didn't expect Travion. Travion was one of the most refined prospects I watched on film, especially between the tackles, especially dissecting through traffic. Nicholas Singleton wasn't that. He's a big, physical, athletic freak that still needs a little bit of refinement. So I, I, I'm not too worried right now. I could see him taking a little bit like mid-season kind of hitting his track and really blowing up. So Singleton, I'm putting at a flat zero, negative one, negative two, negative 10. <laughs> I am worried about this being a split. I don't want it to be. I hope he separates himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to move him. I have him in a lot of places. And I don't think I'm moving him for anything besides like a substantial upgrade, which is there's only like three substantial upgrades out there. So I am as well not worried. This one though, I am worried about Jackson Dart, quarterback for Ole Miss, transfer from USC. Uh, there's rumors of a quarterback battle. Now, there's a lot of coach speak on the NFL side. There's a lot of coach speak on the college side. This one looks like it actually was a quarterback battle because he did not look good. Yeah, I'm putting this one at a 5-6. And uh, one of the that reasons you're – That seems low, by the you way. You think that's low. Like, I'm putting that right at, like, 50%. I think that 50% he could succeed, 50% he could fail. I think that's – I feel like that's kind of even. You know, we're looking at the fact here that they're even starting Altmaier next week. So they're not even truly de- uh, decided on what's happening. Like, Altmaier had glowing reports out of camp, too. This, like – uh, I understand what you're saying. It could be could be higher, but they did start him in the first game, right? But th- this does feel like a team that maybe wants to start Altmaier. Um, but they went out and got this big-time transfer in Jackson Dart. Um, everyone always expected him to start. He was supposed to be like this new king on campus. So I think they, I think that's part of the reason they want it. And maybe they want just their play to determine it on the field. Kind of the whole Michigan thing going on with J.J. McCarthy and, and Kate McNamara right now, where they almost don't want to make that choice for everybody. So um, I'm cautious on this one. Didn't really have a, a really great game, but I'm, I'm comfortable at five saying, I think it's 50, 50% where it could go here. Yeah. I'm at a full seven. I mean, I might even be at an eight. This dude is a freshman breakout <laughs> from a prominent program. Like he's supposed to be the guy. Did he really break out though? Did, it was only like one game, two they games. Had like six games. They had like six games. I think. No, it was like two games. I'm going to look should, this up. You should check. You, you, sh- you should check again. But, but yeah, I am going to say, yeah, but he's, he's supposed to be the answer to all these problems. They bring in Michael Trigg too, who we're about to talk next, by the way. Now I'm in full panic mode. There's always one dude that seems to fall off. There's always like one quarterback that just seems to fall off. And I feel like we have our answer here and it's Jackson. Dart. He played Troy. You played Troy. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it was like 173 passing yards. And like, it was, it was pathetic. It was pathetic. I'm at full panic mode. I'm selling in for Drake May. I'm trying to cash in before it's too late. I am. I'm, you know, it's a nine. 
It's not even an eight. It's a nine. <laughs> Full blown ten. Just fucking drop them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're gonna roll to the next one we just talked about. Michael Trigg. Now, how do you feel about him? Uh, I'm th- this one. This one's actually okay for me. I'm definitely not panicking. I mean, for what it's worth, he still led the team in in receiving and catches, I believe. So he still seems to be like a central part of this offense, no matter who's going to be at the helm. So I'm going with a zero on Michael Drake. Okay, yeah, I'm with you here too because I'm putting all the blame on Jackson Dart with that full ten. It's his <laughs> fault. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I like, I like, I like Michael Trigg. I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on him. So moving on, uh, let's talk about. Will Levis. I think you said he was the quarterback one in this class. Is that right? That is absolutely wrong. <laughs> I, I was already out on Levis. So it's like, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what, what like panic rating to give him here because like, I don't know how you, how can you panic on somebody you were never truly worried about? So like, I almost gave, I almost wanted to say, give this a zero, but if I'm like rating this on where he's valued compared to where you should be valuing him, I'm putting this at 10. People are valuing him just too highly for me right now. Yeah. According to our values, I think we're good. He, he, okay. So I'm a UK fan. I went to UK as my own mom. There's like a UK flag in the background of this video here. They put up 23 points on offense. If you count that, that pick six, or I think it was a recovered fumble that, that they didn't, they couldn't get in the end zone, stopped on the one. The offense actually only scored 23 points against a G5 defense. I mean, it was well documented that Will Levis struggles against the SEC defenses, and now it looks like he's struggling against G5 defenses. And I know you can blame a lot on the offensive line, but if you're if you're going to be a, a round one quarterback, you have to elevate an offense, and he does not elevate the offense. So I, I'm not I was never really in on him, so I feel like I got to put a five or six or seven out there. But I think he's a project QB. I get the tools, but I really am not seeing how he gets the route to first round draft capital. All right, we're gonna roll into another guy. I don't consider a Devi asset, Mario <laughs> Williams. <laughs> So you're you probably glad with this one. Yeah, you were probably glad about this one then. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't wish for the downfall on anybody. No, okay? that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm. I'm giving this one a seven. I'm actually up there with you a little bit now. Just um, uh, not that necessarily just this game. Just everything that's kind of happened up until this point. I mean, uh, like I, I we talked about earlier in, a, in like two or three episodes again. I, I looked at Caleb Williams' preferred targets when he was at Oklahoma. I charted every game, tried to see where he was going. He preferred bigger targets. He preferred guys who played outside. Mario Williams is not that guy. Um, You're not that guy, pal. You're not yeah. that guy. <laughs> um, the, the biggest thing here that actually, the biggest thing that stands out here actually with Mario Williams is that he played the most snaps of any wide receiver in the game too, which I was actually surprised to see. Um if you're on the field that much in this offense, you would have expected a little bit more production to come out of him as well. So I don't know. Caleb is just not preferring to look to the guy. Um, I kind of think Mario had a questionable Debbie profile already. I know you did as well. I know a couple of guys that were on it on that same track with us. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm already worried about Mario Williams. Yeah. He looks like a role player to me. What I mean by that is that he is not a, a versatile asset. He's not moved around the field. He has a very set job in his offense. And being in for 24 snaps and getting three targets off this 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 game against Rice, I mean, for two for 43, it doesn't look like he's going to blow up this year. I mean, clearly Addison's there, so like we weren't surprised. But Taj Washington was looked to before Mario Williams. I mean, it's I, I actually don't know the rest of the team stats off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he's not top five so far. So it it was definitely concerning that he's on the field, not really getting the looks. So 
All right, let's roll into our next one here. Dante Demas of Maryland. He is back from a terrible injury. It was so gruesome. I, I actually went and watched the replay myself a couple, like a month ago, just to look, look and see what his knee looked like. But it was cool seeing him on the field, which was great. Um, but he had five targets, three catches for 23 uh, yards. Like, that's it. And he was out there for 24 receiving snaps. He was number, let me see this, number two, tied for number two in receiving snaps here for the field. And he was just not efficient against a Mac defense. How worried are you on Dante Demas and his potential comeback? Yeah, I'm going to put this one at a six. Uh, Now, I think there's a lot of things to factor in here. He could be coming back slowly from the injury. Um, But the other thing we have to factor in here is the fact that he is a fifth-year guy, and this is kind of like his last chance to do anything. So if he comes back slowly and doesn't really hit those expectations that we were hoping for, then what's his future here? So I'm a little bit worried if he's going to be coming slowly back from this injury. The good thing is he's starting out with a pretty good uh, site in the NFL. I mean, if you look at mock draft database, he's like, like in the second round right now. Some people have even have at the end of the first, which is a surprise to me. Uh, this season is going to change that obviously, because I don't think he's going to look like himself. Hopefully by mid season, we'll see him get back to form. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and chalk this up to just working back from the injury here. But just like you said, we got to work in the fifth year here. Like, this is his last year. Like, I mean, he's got to come back. I mean, he might have another year of eligibility, but I'm not – there's no way you'll catch me touting a sixth year anywhere. So, this is this is it. So, he's got to he's got to pick it up. But Rakeem Jarrett, too, because this, this has been a, a debate on the off – this has been a debate for me on the offseason. It's been Rakeem Jarrett versus Dante Demas. I, a lot of us have agreed that Dante Demas last year would have been an early second or first-round draft pick. And then the other side is Rakeem Jarrett, really talented, has all the tools we want in a receiver, but he just didn't put it together last year. And so I remember I wrote an article recently. It's out on canvasken.com talking about how one of these two guys, I think, are going to get second round draft capital, maybe early third, but not both of them, just one. And it really matters to me who comes out on top this year. And it looks like it's going to be Rakeem Jarrett. So I am worried about Dante Demas. Put me up at like a seven. Uh, it looked like Jared was the one that was getting manufactured touches, which is, again, not a positive for Jared. But the coaching staff want him involved. So very worried about Dante Demas. The next guy is a my guy for me from the Debbie guy. I'm talking about Dontavion Wicks. Now, there's definitely a crowd out here that like him a lot. There's a crowd out here that doesn't. I've seen him mocked in the first. I've seen him not mocked at all. So it seems to be a very wide range of expectations of Dontavion Wicks. Uh, by the way, uh, Virginia University. University of Virginia wide receiver, excuse me, Dontavion Wicks. So he saw 12 targets, which was amazing, but he caught six for 47 against Richmond, Richmond of all teams. Like, that's it. So I didn't get to watch the game personally. I'm actually surprised at that target ratio. I didn't watch the full game. I watched portions of it. He was definitely an early target. That's kind of when I turned off because I thought he'd be good. So my question to you is, are you worried about Dontavion Wicks? Uh, yeah, we kind of had this conversation about Wicks earlier in the offseason too. There was kind of some things, even when you were looking at his charting that I was kind of concerned with, didn't seem like the most versatile player. They didn't try to get him into space. Um, kind of seemed like a deep intermediate threat. And uh, now with Laval Davis coming back this year, it's kind of a real threat to his production because Laval Davis kind of excels in that role too. So uh, I'm putting Dontavian Wicks at a 50-50 here. I'm going to smack him with a five because... That's kind of how I picture him. I picture him 50% he's going to excel, and then I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of off our rosters or a UDFA by the next time I see him. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm sitting with a five here. 
I think I have to agree here. And this is mostly because my projection was that he was going to be an early third pick. I thought he would be a great wide receiver two for an NFL team. He already, he had a fumble. He was out there for 38 snaps, which you'd love to see. But last year, like you said, there's some questions about his game. He wasn't like a yak guy. Like he's a kind of a catch and fall down. Like that was, that's kind of what he is. And he, and he has good size. Like there's no reason for him not to be able to out physical out athlete, some of these college players. And he's not. So I'm with you. I'm at a five, maybe a little higher, but he just seems to not win the physical game. And yet he's standing here at six foot two, two Oh eight. I mean, it's Richmond, man. Just body him. Like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talking about Quinn Ewers now, quarterback of Texas. We mentioned him earlier with Xavier Worthy. I expected more out of Quinn Ewers against ULL. I'm, I'm worried, dude. I actually am worried. I thought I, I thought he'd do a little more. I, he seemed to struggle to work through his progressions. He was very thankful that his safety blanket of John Tavion Sanders was there. The Tavion Sanders, by the way. Do seem to block and like mentally count to three or like mentally count to two and be like, all right, that ball's not out. I'm gonna make myself an option. Like I love the love, love Dontavio Sanders. But Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers, I'm worried about him. What your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm 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 just a flat out no here. Just because I already expected this with Ewers. I didn't expect him to kind of break out. Maybe that's kind of where you're disappointed here. I didn't expect him to have a great game. This is a guy who hasn't played like a real game of football in like two and a half years now, I want to say, because he, I think he, did he opt out of his, his high school? No, he declared early or whatever, right? Yeah, and then Ohio State, he didn't play at all last year. Um, all way, already halfway through the year this year. So this isn't a guy who's played a lot of football in the past. He's going to have to shake off a little bit of rust. There wasn't a really a lot of rhythm to this passing game, but it's only one week. So I think this, I think uh, Sarkeesian will get these guys rolling again. Uh, let's talk about Cameron Ward here, another quarterback. Transfer from the FCS Incarnate Ward going to Washington State, the Wazoo. He follows his head coach, who's now the offensive coordinator. Now, his biggest uh, critique transferring over was that he just doesn't push the ball downfield. Supposedly, he has the arm talent, and he can. He's just super inaccurate. And so the question was, in my opinion to me, my question to myself was, is this just the coaching scheme or can this guy actually not push this ball downfield? Corey, are you concerned about Cameron Ward? Uh, no, I don't think I'm as concerned as everybody else seems to be with him. Anyways, I watched a little bit of that game. Um, guy by the name of Deshaun Stribling, a wide receiver. I talked about a lot. I started him in a few leagues, so I kind of wanted to see what he was doing. He had a nice touchdown in this game as well. Um, he had an, a couple throws downfield. He was a little bit, inaccurate the ball placement was a little bit all over but i did see some impressive like arm angles some impressive throws some of the stuff that people talk about a lot right the side arms fitting it through two guys or whatever you know so i saw some things i like there even if it was inconsistent now this is a guy who's coming from the fcs right there's gonna be a, a big talent difference when you're coming all the way to the p5 i mean this guy didn't even go g5 whatever they, he went right to the top right away so he's playing some he's playing a lot tougher competition than he's used to so i'm not worried about this yet i want to see it play out maybe i'm not going to start him uh until i see it kind of happen over the next couple of weeks but uh but i'm fine uh, i'm fine holding on to ward and i'm putting this at a. am gonna put it at a two just because he's valued very highly and there is a good, there is a chance still he he falls flat on his face here. Yeah, I'm with you here. Actually, I I also would say a two or a three. I saw the same issues I saw where he just wasn't pushing the ball down accurately. Uh, this is, like you said, a step up for sure. But like the needle on Debbie quarterbacks is very thin. Like you're really looking at maybe five guys for that first round draft capital. He certainly is that in and that running. But if he can't make these passes downfield, like I, I got to pull it up right here in front of me. On passes 20 yards downfield, he was over 3. So it's 
it's not like he needs to kill it downfield, but like he didn't complete one pass here. So it's it's week one. I'm not really too worried about it, but I'm hoping that they could showcase a little bit more than what he's done so far. So uh, rolling into quarterback again here, we're going to talk about the disappointment of last year. <laughs> the disappointment of last year, <laughs> Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler transfers from Oklahoma, goes to South Carolina. So SEC, not exactly quite a big downgrade, but a lot of people were kind of rooting for his comeback. A lot of people were thinking that he was going to come back. What do you think? Yeah, I think if you weren't panicking on Rattler, this game really gave you no reason to make it any worse. Uh, this might just be who he is at this point. You know, he's a little bit inconsistent. He shows those occasional flashes. He has that arm talent, but I'm not panicking, I guess, if I'm in on Rattler. I'm kind of like in the middle. I think he's probably a day two guy like my my expectations feel real realistic for him so unless he kind of blows up throughout this entire year but uh, i don't i don't see that happening so i think my, my expectations with him are realistic so i'm i'm happy at a four or a five here just because like i don't at this point the nfl's upside seems uncertain at best I'm definitely a little bit more worried than you are i'm gonna put him at like a seven or eight my rankings definitely reflect that i don't believe in spencer rattler but the fact that he had this game, like this, this was his performance as well against Georgia State. And I just don't think he's a passer. I think he's going to have a really bad interview series with coaches. It doesn't seem like the team still likes him that much either. And not that I've seen anything lately, there's no new news on that. I'm just speaking off of stuff I saw like a month and a half ago. So the fact that he's not performing either, I mean, 23 completions for 236 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions against Georgia State. So... Yeah, I, I think I already thought he was done, but now I think I'm throwing dirt on the uh, coffin that's already six feet under the ground. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go ahead and put me at like a seven. Uh, let's talk about his tight end. Who was used as a running back this game? Jaheim Bell. I believe you had him kind of high in your rankings. So talk about Jaheim Bell to me. Yeah, I don't know if I did, actually. Maybe I had him, like, as a top 10 guy, but maybe that's just because the the, the kind of scarcity of the whole position at the, in Debbie tight ends anyways. Uh, um, I don't really think anything matters with the production-wise for tight ends. Um, I mean, if you look at this game, though, too, Jaheim did play less snaps than Stogner, um, but he was double, he was targeted double the amount of time, so he has a skill set that does transfer to the NFL. Um, I still say it's going to take the right kind of team to use him. Um he could kind of be what we were hoping Jonu Smith to be all these years. You know, somebody in the backfield can kind of take those runs, can be a vertical weapon. But I mean, at times, I even wonder if his floor is more of like a, a Marcel Reese, the X Raider uh, tight end fullback hybrid uh, that had a nice few games, double that tight end, double that fullback. So um, I'm not panicking over anything that kind of happened this past week with, with, with uh, Gene Bell, but I still think he's a long shot for the NFL. He's going to need a team that's going to use him correctly. I like that call. I really do. I was about to mention Johnny Smith myself, so I like that call. <laughs> okay. I think he'll test well athletically, and I think he'll be somewhat productive, so don't got to worry about that. So I think he'll still get that decent draft capital. I don't think he's going to lose that day two capital just because of his usage. I think some coach is going to think they can get creative with him and take a shot on him in the third. So I'm not really too worried about it. I don't really think he's going to be super successful in the NFL, which my rankings reflect, but I'm definitely not any more worried than I was before, so I'm going to put it at a zero. I might even actually move him up a little bit seeing this usually. I probably feel better about him getting <laughs> yeah. draft capital. So, yeah, so I'm good on that. Uh, we're going to go three more here. Yeah, we're just going to go three more. Byron Cardwell. Talked about him in Oregon. He was the fourth guy on the field. Four for 28. 
against Georgia. So again, rushing production wasn't really huge, but are you worried? Are you worried? Really? Are you worried about him being the fourth one on the field? Like that's really the concern. This is the, this is the guy I'm the most worried about on the whole list. Now after, after this week one, the fact that I didn't see him on the field, like I went to go look up numbers because I was like, maybe he did play. Maybe he just spotlighted. He didn't rush the ball or something. Maybe he was there the whole first quarter. He didn't touch the field. It was until like midway through the second quarter that I finally saw this guy. Like I sadly invested in a lot of Cardwell this year too. Um, Last year, he flashed a lot. I, all the talk in the spring was that he was going to be this guy. He was going to break out this year, become that 2024 running back, hop maybe into the, into the top uh, five of the class. So I'm definitely worried. I'm putting this one at a nine right now <laughs> until I see. Maybe I'm just panicking because I have so much of him and it's kind of stressing me out a little bit, but I'm definitely worried about Cardwell right now. Yeah, I was kind of wasting on Cardwell. I don't think I had him as high as you, but I definitely yeah. was in on him breaking out this year. Four for twenty. I mean, man. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're the, using him more as like a thumper, and and they're like, and they're already behind early on. I don't know. This shit, I, this it was, was against. It was against Georgia too. That's the one thing we have right. to remember. That maybe maybe I should lower that to like an eight or seven because of the matchup, and maybe the game just got away from them. They didn't have the time to run. They like the other guys as pass catchers better. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but either way, we, it, this is kind of a wait and see. But still, not on the field till till the second quarter. I mean that. That the game is still there at that point, you can still rush the ball. So, I mean, yeah, worried. I'm worried. Yeah, my scapegoat is that he played Georgia, so I'm not worried yet. But man, if he doesn't get on this field early next week, I am worried. Let's roll into our, our next one here. Will Shibley, running back for Clemson, couldn't find a lot of success on the ground. I mean, yeah, he got two touchdowns, sure, but I, like the efficiency wasn't there. And my concern about him last year was that he seems to find a lot of his, his success running on the outside, beating guys with his speed. I don't want him to develop this bad habit. I want him to develop his vision. I want him to be successful in the middle and on the sides. Corey, are you worried about Will Shipley here? Yeah, so my first appearance on the C2C podcast feed was actually uh, an episode with Colin where I hopped on with Campus Life and Will Shipley was still a freshman back there. And I actually expressed these concerns that I saw in his high school tape that everything was to the outside. He just used his speed and outran everybody in high school. And those guys worry me because they need development when they get to the college level because their speed isn't necessarily going to outrun everybody like it did at the high school level. So he needs that development. And, and maybe it's kind of this O-line too, which looked pretty shoddy the, uh, this, this past week. It, it doesn't look good on paper either. So maybe that's kind of one, one of the reasons he wants to bounce everything outside. We kind of have to see how this is going to play out with him. But yeah, like we talked about last week, I already have Raheem Sanders over him. Um, he's dropping. He's still a top, top five guy right now in the 2024 class for me. Um, but uh, as a worry, um, I'm going to put this at like a four because this could be more team-based than it is actually Shipley-based. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. It was Georgia Tech, though, so I mean, like, are, am I going to sit here and say better days are ahead? Like, it's kind of yeah. hard to really say that. Yeah, it's hard to um, say that, yeah. I'm going to be a little bit more worried than you. I'm going to put him at like a five or a six, only because I did have him at RB3 going into the season. You and me are Raheem Sanders fans. I had him at RB4. You had him at RB Sanders now. Sanders at RB4 for me, RB3 for Corey. And I switched them up. I did. I think I switched them up mid game. I was having a laptop open and I was like, I'm doing this now. Yeah. (laughs) He looked, he looked good this past weekend, man. Raheem with that full workload. Oh, I'm excited, man. I mean, that was my concern was he can get the full workload. I don't want a guy splitting time like Damian Pierce and then he gets the fourth round draft capital. On the next episode, we'll be doing to the moon all on Raheem Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) So I I am concerned about Will Shipley here. And it really is because of the system, not because of the player. So, or I think it's because of the system. 
So let's get into our last one here. A.T. Perry, a guy that I typically don't really consider a Debbie asset, but there are a few out there. So I thought it warranted bringing his name up. Six foot five, 205 pounds. So a slender guy, very skinny. Um, he he blew up last year. I think he was like the wide receiver one of CFF, like 1,200 receiving yards. This game, he was like nowhere to be found. I mean, he he had the second most receiving uh, routes run, but he was second in targets here. Five targets, three catches for 47 yards. And I'm going to tell you why that is right now, Corey, why that is. Donovan Green came back. Yes. Donovan Green, <laughs> yeah, like my any guy. Any excuse to hop Donovan Green in a conversation, man. <laughs> I had the hot take that Donovan Green. That's the whole could... reason you put him on the list. Mm-hmm. Just so you can. Yeah, okay, you're right. right. So I can Go talk ahead. about somebody else. That's oh, yeah. We're playing, playing chess over here. Yeah. I, really, I really said this hot take. I just, I didn't believe it when I was like, Donovan Green could lead this, this backfield in, or not backfield, this receiving core in, in receiving yards. So how concerned are you with A.T. Perry? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm one of the guys that are totally on him. Like, I'm not like trying to acquire him or whatever, but I do think people make the unfair comparison to Sage Surratt and they're, they, they feel like different players to me. I do think A.T. Perry moves around a little bit better, especially for his size. And I know sometimes when we say for his size, it's not the greatest thing to say sometimes, but he does move pretty good for that, for that length you have a build. But, but now like when you're looking at his upside at the next level, what is it? This guy's probably like a four, six guy, maybe like, is he, is he going to kind of be that odd and take guy who bounces around as a fourth, fifth wide receiver in the NFL? I think he has a future in the NFL. I don't know if he, if his athleticism is going to translate. Um, I'm going to put this one, at uh i'm not i'm not worried about the production because once sam hartman comes back i think the production is going to pick back up he's going to get that after that nfl draft buzz back so in terms of am i worried is he going to hop back on the radar i'm not that worried he's going to hop back on he's going to bounce back in terms of nfl i'm going to put that at about a six or a seven i'm a little bit worried about his transition there yeah the emergence of donovan green (laughs) (laughs) does hurt his 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 deadly upside it really does no it really does though so we'll see what sam Harmon looks like when he comes back see who he favors here i am very interested in in this battle part two so all right guys that wraps up the panic meter that's going to be it for us don't forget to check out the rest of the campus kin podcast feed on monday you got chasing the natty a cff podcast tuesday campus life wednesday bet on c to c and debbie debate on thursday can bound on thursday the officials also on Thursday. And then your favorite show is back to Debbie. We're on Fridays, 8 to 10 on Saturday. You can check out the Better Sports app. The tailgate starting at 10 to 12. And then you got fantasy, or excuse me, college fantasy tonight starting at 1045 or whenever the late games end. That's going to be it for our show tonight. Apologies to Matt Bruning. I'm too busy making people nervous. And Corey had a tons of editing to do after he messed up saying Jeremy or Jeremy Bernard's name about 10,000 times earlier. This is Mike, and that's the Maple Farmer. Good night and good luck.